0: God was right. He told me his plans, and I was in awe. I couldn't wait to tell the people they had nothing to worry about. God's in control. I just have to help him see it. church, we're smack in the series on Habakkuk, asking the question, "What do you do when God seems unfair uh so I guess sometimes we feel a little weird or icky. Can we even ask those questions of God? Can we even think that and really, we've looked at this prophet that was that had written around six hundred b c And uh, prophets were usually somebody that God told them what to say and they said it to the people. And this is a fella who really has the people's thoughts and has taken them to God and has a lot of questions. God, if you're this, if you're that, then how come you're not doing this and how come you're not connecting the dots and I don't see what you're doing, God? Why? Why? I don't understand you, God. Why? We talked about last week that um, in the past couple of weeks we've looked at this uh, graph It's called uh, The Dip, and I borrowed this from a couple of different people. But we talked about it at the beginning... Um, we all begin a relationship with Jesus and it seems like we, ha- we have our sins are forgiven and we start coming to church and it's like, dude, God's answering my prayer. You know, I'm reading the Bible. I'm understanding it. I'm coming and hearing the sermons and it's, I'm liking it. The songs are good. You know, L- Mr. Bluebird is on my shoulder. Everything is exciting. It's vibrant. It's fun. You're on top. It's like, can it get any better than this? and then life happens and uh... god doesn't seem to answer our prayers like he did and when we read the bible we don't quite get as much out of it and, and we uh... would struggle through some things and we get to the pop, uh, to the bottom and we get to this dip and we have a lot of questions and we try to figure out okay god you say you're this but you're not doing this so you know, God, I I don't understand you. And some people say, you know what, well, I'm just going to leave this thing or I can't trust God anymore. And we talked about that Habakkuk, that word Habakkuk is a Hebrew word and it means to embrace or to wrestle. And if you choose to hold on to God, if you choose to stick with God, God will stick with you. And if you choose to wrestle and embrace God, God will embrace you and last week we, we looked at chapter 2. What do you do when you're in the dip? What do you do when you're in that bottom part? You're in the pits and just nothing's going right. And you just want to give up. And we talked last week that what do you do? You stop what you're doing. You change your perspective. You remember that? You listen to God. You write it down, some of your issues, and then you wait. And it's the waiting that none of us like to do. Today, we're going to be in chapter 3, and we're going, to, we're going to answer and ask the question, what do you do to get out of the dip? What do you do when you're, when you're struggling through trials and temptations and just icky stuff? In fact, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 says it this way. It says, dear friends, don't be... Everybody say that next word. Don't be surprised when you experience, when you, when you experience problems. Don't be surprised when you, you have these fiery trials, it says, for that you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised. You know, so many times we think, you know what, okay, we have a relationship with God so everything's kosher, everything's cool, and we get surprised when bad things happen. And uh, he's saying, don't let it take you off guard, because all of us, we want an easy life. Don't you? I mean... You just want a life that's just, it's easy street. Here's the problem with things like that. Easy lives don't make good stories. Easy lives don't make good stories. If you think about it, the type of life that you and I want if somebody wrote a book about it, they would stop reading it on chapter 2 because it would be boring. Right? I mean, nobody... Ask this. How many people would pay $9.50 to go see a movie that, about your life? You're going, I wouldn't pay $9.50. What are you talking about? You know why? Because easy lives don't make good stories. You've got to have some tension. You've got to have some problems. And God's sole desire for us is to create and to write a good story with your life. God's goal is to create a fantastic story with your life. And sometimes that doesn't mean you live on easy street. Sometimes you live at the crossroads of Problem Avenue and jacked up intersection. (laughs) And you just don't understand. You don't understand God. You know, um... We're looking at a fella, Habakkuk, who really got a, a more intimate relationship with God. And we talked last week that we all, we say we want to be close to God. We want an intimate relationship with Him. But how he accomplishes that is through the dip. It's through the pit. And none of us want to go through the pits. None of us. Habakkuk didn't. So today we're going to look at what do you do to get out of the pit? What do you do to get out of the dip? And we're going to look at what Habakkuk does in chapter 3, verse 1. Habakkuk worships. He worships. Look at verse 1. This prayer was, what's that next word? Sung by the prophet Habakkuk. Now you remember how Habakkuk started the book. God, why? How long am I going to cry and you're not going to listen? God, how long are you going to make me experience this stuff and you're powerful enough? We sing, you're mighty to save, but you're not saving. And he comes with a lot of questions, a lot of frustrations, and he ends the book, la, 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 la. He ends it singing. What in the world is going on? started with questions, ending with singing. I like how the Amplified Bible translates this verse. And we're going to look at the Amplified Bible today and next week. It's just another translation of the Bible. And what the Amplified Bible does is it takes definitions of the original words and inserts it into uh, the verse. I'll give you an example. That word sung, it's a Hebrew word called shiginoth. Sounds really fun to say, all right? Um... And that word, let me explain to you what that word means. A wild, passionate song with rapid changes of rhythm. A wild, passionate song with rap, rap, come on, I'm going back to the 80s, people. Rapid changes of rhythm. Wild passion. Now, now I'm going to read to you the Amplified Bible and let me show you how it inserts that definition in here. Look at this. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet set to what? Uh. Wild. I want a wild thing. That's what I'm thinking right now. All right. That's just where my mind goes. I apologize. Wild, enthusiastic, and triumphal. I want, I, I'm, I'm hearing rocky. You know? It's like, yeah! Wild, enthusiastic, and triumphant music. That, so everything that we're going to read in this chapter, you've got to think wild thoughts. Is that allowed in church? You betcha. Alright? So what type of thought do you think? All right. Wild, enthusiastic, and triumphant. Now let's look at that word enthusiastic. That is actually, I'm going to teach you a Greek word today. You ready? Here it is. Enthusiastic. Thank you. It's a Greek word. It's Greek to me. Let me tell you what that is. The in, it's a compound word. In means in. All right, cool. Theos is a Greek word that means God. Theology, all right? So if you have in, theos, it means God in. The reason why Habakkuk is enthusiastic is he is seeing God in his circumstances. He's seeing God move amongst the problems and all the messed up stuff in his life. Well, you can be enthusiastic about something because you can see God behind the scenes working in, through, around, above, and below you and your situation. That's what it means to have enthusiasm. Now, I want you to think here. Has Habakkuk's circumstances changed? The answer is No. God told Habakkuk, listen, you know what? God's people, the Israelites are wicked, and I'm going to send an even more wicked people, the Babylonians, modern-day Iraq, and they're going to come over and they're going to wipe you out. And Habakkuk scratching his head saying, that don't seem fair. But so his, his situation hasn't changed. Now, what about the questions? He asked all of these questions of God. Does he have answers? No. So his situations hadn't changed, his questions hadn't been answered, but he is singing a wild, enthusiastic, and triumphal song. Now, how, how can that be? Well, I can tell you what's changed. If his circumstances hadn't changed, and if the questions hadn't been answered, let me tell you what has changed. Habakkuk has changed. You see, when you're in the depth and you want that intimate closeness with God, let me tell you, God will come through and you will have that intimate closeness with Him and you will change. He chooses to sing to God. To sing. His perspective has changed. He chose to focus on God and not on His problems anymore. In fact, that's our big idea for today. Our big idea is this. When you focus on the bigness of God, your problems become small. Let's say that. When you focus on the bigness of God, your problems become small. Habakkuk, nothing you know, the Babylonians are still coming, they're still sharpening the swords. But Habakkuk has stopped asking questions, has stopped looking, looking at all these other nations and all of these issues, and he is choosing to worship and focus on God. And when you do that, the problems are still there. This is not denial. Denial is more than just a river in Egypt. All right? This, he's not in denial. His problems are still there. But he's choosing not to focus on them, and he's focusing on God. And when you focus on God's bigness, your big problems will become smaller, I promise you. Let me give you an example uh, from the life of a dude by the name of David. Um, if you've not been to church in a while, you may have not heard the story, so let me explain it to you. There was this dude by the name of David who had 12 brothers, and he was the runt. He was the smallest. He was the youngest. So he was really skinny because when 12 brothers invade a refrigerator and you the runt, you getting, uh, you, you getting just, you know, you licking the bone, all right? You getting the sinews off because they done not to clean the meat off. So this dude, he's not good for much. The Bible said he was small and he was red-complected. He was ruddy is what that means. And he wasn't good for much. In fact, his dad really didn't believe in him Brothers really didn't believe, and they said, You know, you're only good. Why don't you just go out and you just tend the sheep? It's, not, it's a thankless job. You're going to be by yourself pretty much 24 7. So this little David, this shepherd boy, goes out and tends the sheep, and he spends 24 7 alone with his sheep and God. And he is talking to God, he's focusing on God. In fact, there's a book, if you, again, if you're not, if you're new to Christianity, there's a book in this Bible called Psalms. And what that is, it's, it's called, it's a song. And he wrote half of those songs. He loved singing. He loved playing. He loved just focusing on God. And he spent so much time focusing on the bigness of God that one day he comes out and, and he leaves the sheep and you, the, you he, he encounters with all over Israel this huge giant. A nine-foot giant. Nine-foot. Huge. Nine-foot giant. And ever all these other Israelites are in the corner going, mm, we can't go any farther. And they're scared. And David it's like, somebody give me a stone. I am going to wipe this dude up. And, and it's not because he was, David was big or because he had all of these wonderful skills. Let me tell you, The reason why David said, looked at Goliath and says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna chop him up, is because he had spent so much time looking at the bigness of God that even a nine foot giant looked small. He had spent so much time gazing into the bigness of God that, that Goliath looked like a midget. We represent, uh, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Y'all seen little people, big world, right? This was little giant big God. He had spent so much time with God that this nine-foot, ugly, nasty problem looked so small compared to the bigness of his God. See, when you focus on God, your problems, they'll still remain problems, but they're going to become smaller. They're going to look, look smaller. So he worshipped. Now, it's hard to worship. I mean, some people, y'all have problems singing in here. So, you know, when you get through rough times, how do you can just sing? Well, let me tell you, a great way that you, that, that's going to help you worship, if you look at verse 2, let's look at what Habakkuk did. And this is what caused him to worship. Verse 2 of Habakkuk 3, I've heard all about you, Lord. I'm filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, what's that next word? Remember. Remember. Habakkuk remembers God's mercy. He goes through this very detailed account in these next verses, and he's going to walk down memory lane with God. He's going to say, God... You're not working now, but I remembered when you worked in the past. I remember that you could heal. I remember you could do miracles. I remember that you could calm the storm. I remember that you could cause sickness to leave. The demons fl- fled. I mean, I remember you did mighty things. You did miraculous wonders and signs. I remember you even raised people from the dead. And if you, can, if you did that in the past... You're going to do that again. And if God, if you moved in the past, you're going to move again. Because God is God. He doesn't change. So he's going down and he's remembering what God has done. He's speaking to God, telling God what God has done. That's a very powerful approach to prayer and talking to God. When you got problems and you don't think things are, A is not equal enough to B and C and Z and it's all messed up. You know what? And God's not moving. You can look back and say, Okay, God, you moved in the past. You're going to move in the future. And if you do, you're going to take care of my present. Sometimes when God isn't moving in your life, you've got to remember the times when God did move. Sometimes when God isn't moving in your life, you've got to remember the times when God did move in your life. And sometimes when God isn't moving, you've got to get around other people that God is moving in their life. Look at verse 3. I see God moving across the deserts, and He mentions all of these names of Edom, the Holy One coming from Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens. His earth is filled with His praise. And you're going, what? If you were an Israelite, you would knew exactly what he was talking about. Because all of those place names are references to when the Israelites were in bondage in Egypt under Pharaoh and he raised up a dude by the name of Moses to let my people go. Let me give you that. Again, maybe you're new to church, let me explain this a little bit. Um, God told Abraham, Hey, listen, I know you and your wife, Sarah, are older than the hills. You're 100 years old. By the way... Uh, if you're old, you know, you're okay. I don't consider you old unless you're 100. All right? And if, you know, there you go. So uh, so they're 100 years old. they got no kids. And God says, I'm going to make you a father and a mother of a great nation. And they're going, right. All right? And God came through. And they actually had a child. I mean, that in itself is kind of miraculous if you think about it. Um, not even the... Oh, okay, okay. Uh, moving on. Um, Anyway, um, but God told Abraham and Sarah, you know what, I'm going to give you this massive amount of land. And your your descendants are going to have this land that I'm going to promise you. And they call it the promised land. All right? So they have this, and they're going, okay, that'll be good. There's only one problem. uh, Abraham and Sarah died... Before ever having getting any land. So they end up going to Egypt, their descendants, and they hung out in Egypt for four hundred years and they multiplied. And there's all there's millions of, of, of Israelites now, and they're in bondage in Egypt under this really mean dude. And they're crying out to God, God, how come you're not coming? How come you're not rescuing? Same thing Habakkuk's dealing with. God, you're mighty to save, but you're not saving. Why, God? Why? Why? And some people say, you know what, God, this is a figment of our imagination. He made these promises. It's all talk. Until at the right time, God took a fellow by the name of Moses. And God used Moses to rescue the Israelites. And that's what that that whole verse means. In fact, look at verse 5. How did did, uh, Moses and God get the people out of Egypt? Remember, he sent ten plagues. Uh, 10 uh, uh, issues problems uh, you know all this stuff um, it says in verse 5 pestilence marches before him and plagues follow close behind so because of God's miraculous wonders and miracles these 10 plagues they get out looking back in verse 3 it says I see God moving you know how many of y'all want to see God move in your life I'm there friends I want to see God move. You know, God moved then, but God's not moving in Habakkuk's situation now. God moved before, well, He's going to move again. And in Habakkuk has stopped asking questions and he's focusing on the bigness of God and his problems are becoming smaller. Look at verse 8. Was it in anger, Lord, that you struck the rivers and parted the sea? He's talking about the Red Sea. Let me explain this. So the Israelites come out of Egypt, out of bondage, and they get to this Red Sea. And there's this this huge sea before them. They can't cross it. And the Pharaoh and his army is coming behind them, wanting to kill them. And Moses gets his staff and goes, Y'all remember Charlton Heston, right? All right, cool. And they part the water and they go through. And, and, And again, Habakkuk is remembering this. I love that. Remembering what God has done. Look at verse 4. His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Rays of light flash from His hands where awesome power is hidden. This verse is talking about... Let well, me explain this. After they go through the Red Sea, they go to a mountain called Sinai. And on Mount Sinai, Moses walks up the mountain and he talks to God and God gives him... Anybody remember? Remember? Ten Commandments, that's right. Prince of Egypt is doing its job, all right? So gets the Ten Commandments and he walks down and he doesn't know that he's changed. Moses has spent so much time with the God of light because God is light, in him there is no darkness. He spent so much time with God that he is reflecting. He, I mean, he's, it's, he's lighting up the sky, Moses is. Because anytime time you spend time with God, you're going to be changed. All right? And look at this. Look at what Exodus 34 Says This this is a story of Moses coming down from the mountain. When Moses came down Mount Sinai carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. The people of Israel would see the radiant glow of his face. Habakkuk is remembering what God has done. He's, he, he's remembered the Israelites in bondage, how He took him out of bondage through the ten, uh, ten plagues. He's remembered going through the Red Sea. He's remembering Mount Sinai. He's remembering God moving in His past. And He's focusing on God, on the bigness of God. And Habakkuk's problems are becoming slowly and certainly smaller. Look at verse 6. When He stops, talking about God, the earth shakes. When He looks... The nations tremble. Any of you your mama ever gave you a look? You know what I'm talking about? And what'd you do? Tremble. You stop what you're doing. That's right. I remember being in a small country church and, and taking gum and putting underneath the pew. All right. By the way, we ain't never gonna have pews. Not gonna no work. We t- put putting underneath the pew, and my mama looking at me like she was in the choir. You know, and I was down there going, oh, I think I'm gonna meet Jesus. God's, God's, just God's look. Look at this. When He looks, the nations tremble. He shatters the everlasting mountains and the eternal hills. He is the eternal one. Look at verse 9. You brandish your your bow and your quiver of arrows. He said God is the one who fought for the Israelites. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, uh, You split open the earth with flowing rivers. Talking about the flood of Noah. Um, The mountains washed and trembled. Onward swept the raging waters. The mighty deep cried out. And look at this. The water is lifting its hands to the Lord. Even the oceans are worshiping God. Not just Habakkuk. The oceans in an unnatural disaster. the, The oceans are just, praise God, praise God. Now, has anything changed in Habakkuk's life? Has his questions been answered? Is his situation different? No. But Habakkuk is different. Habakkuk is choosing to worship and to remember God. Look at verse 11. The sun and the moon stood still in the sky as your brilliant arrows flew and your glittering spear. I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, Moses, after he got the Ten Commandments we talked about, he went in, he told the people, hey, we're going to the land that God had promised Abraham. They go to the land. They all take a vote. We're going to talk a lot about this next week. Who wants to go in the land? They go, I don't want to go. So God says, forget you. So everybody, you know, who are like 20 and below, you're going to die. You're you're not going to enter into the land. And Moses and all of these people end up dying. And then he raises up a new dude by the name of Joshua and he takes all of, all of these descendants and he goes 40 years later and he says, okay, well, here's the land that God's promised us. Are we going to go in? And we're all going, yeah, we're going to go in. My mom and dad, I just buried them last week. Yeah, we're going in. All right, cool. So they go in and they start, and even though this was the land God had promised them, there was all kinds of people living in the land and they didn't know it was already promised to somebody else. So Joshua, is, is, he's doing all these wars and armies and all this stuff, and there's one really tough enemy that he's going up against, and they're going to win, but the, the sun's going down. And if, if, if they don't win before the sun goes down, the tide's going to turn. So look at Joshua chapter 10. This, this is referenced in Habakkuk chapter 311. Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. He said, Let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Agilon, So the sun and the moon did what? You know what? When God speaks, even creation listens. The sun and moon stood still until the Israelites had defeated their enemies. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky, and it did not set as on a normal day. Anytime God is... You you remember that enthusiasm God in? Anytime God shows up, you're not going to have a normal day. God can even take the things that you count on, and He can change it up. Because God is a God who created it all and he's in control he's in power and Habakkuk is remembering this even though his situation's out of control even though he doesn't have his, his his questions answered even though he's got problems he's still struggling this out he's still in the dip he's still he's working through this thing but he he's wrestling with God he is embracing God in verse 16, these last three verses of the chapter are some of my most favorite in the entire Bible. We're going to hit 16, 17, and 18, and 19 is next week. I can't even do 19 this week. we we'll would be here for six hours. All right. How many of y'all want to stay here for six hours? Only one. Okay. Thanks, Mom. All right, anyway, verse 16. Habakkuk stops remembering, and now, again, he's worshiped, He's remembered, and now this is what he says. Habakkuk says, I'm going to wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. He said, you know what? The Babylonians, are going to get theirs. They're going to get theirs. And you know what? I may not see it right now, and I don't understand it, but I know God is God, and I know His Word is His Word, and He will never back down. If He was faithful a thousand years ago, if he was faithful a hundred years ago, if he was faithful last week, he's going to be faithful now. And I don't understand how it's going to work, but I'm trusting in him. They're going to get theirs. But look at verse 17. Oh! I love this verse. Because Habakkuk's life is falling apart. And look what he says. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, And the grapes, there are no grapes on the vines. Even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren. Even though the flocks die in the fields and cattle barns empty. Keep it right here. This, Go back if you would. This culture was a farming culture. You didn't have figs on the trees. You know what that meant? You didn't get paid. If you didn't have grapes on the vines... You didn't eat. It's that simple. You didn't have olives. You didn't have... I mean, that's that's how they made their money. If I could paraphrase this. You know what? Even though I don't get a paycheck next week, even though if the economy continues to tank and I lose all of my retirement, even though my spouse doesn't return to me, even though I may get deployed again, even though... He's not going to change. Even though it may not work out, look at what He says in verse 18. Yet, I will, let's say it together, rejoice. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be, let's say it, joyful in the God of my salvation. You know, God, I believe You. I trust You. And even if it doesn't work out the way I think it should, I... I am going to rejoice. I am going to worship. I am going to sing wild and enthusiastically and triumphantly even though we are a conquered people. I am going to sing triumphantly. I am going to sing wildly. I am going to have enthusiasm because I know God is in this situation. And I am going to wrestle this stuff out with you. I am going to continue to ask questions. I am going to wrestle it out. I am going to back at you. I am going to wrestle and embrace you because you are worthy. You are in control. I am not. And I don't understand it. And Lord, I want to get out of this dip, but it's in this dip that I've found intimacy with you, God. It's in this low place in my life that I, I've, I literally, I've flipped the dip and I've been on a mountaintop. It's in this time that I've, I've my roots have sunk down deep and I've just found my my anchor point in you, God. And I'm trusting in you, God. And I, I don't understand it, and I don't like it, but you are God and I am not, and I trust in you. You know, we said Habakkuk's name means to wrestle and embrace. And there's a fine line between embracing and wrestling. If you think about it, wrestling is an embrace. Because you, it's impossible to wrestle somebody and not touch them just impossible. And you know what? You may be wrestling with God through questions and through struggles and through circumstances and situations. You keep on wrestling with Him because it's still intimacy with God. We're going to close today with emptiness, empty hands. Hey, any of y'all, some of you right now have empty hands right now. You have hands and you look down on them and you had stuff in them that was so dear. It may have been a person. It may have been a thing. Here's the thing about empty hands. Empty hands. Empty hands can hold a lot of blessing if you just put them up to God and take it. Empty hands can hold a lot of blessing if you lift them up to God and take it. So we're ending this... Today, with empty hands, you're going to see some people in just a sack, people just like you, who have questions. People whose marriages are falling apart. People who are struggling with God through finances. People who are struggling with God through the loss of jobs. People who are struggling with God through the loss of a loved one. And some of them have questions. Hard questions. And some of them you're going to see in just a sec, they're going to flip it over and God has given them an answer. But some, they don't have answers yet. And you may not have answers yet. You keep on holding on to God. Don't let go of God. He never lets go of us. Don't let go of God. You stick with Him long enough. You're going to see Him move. Dear Father, Father, Lord, we thank You so much, Lord, for this timely message in this book. God, uh, a book that really there isn't any easy answers. It's very uncomfortable. And Lord, so many of us, we want easy answers because we want easy lives. But easy lives is not what You're after. Lord, You want to see us broken Lord, You want to see us in our weakness because it's in our weakness that You are made strong. And Lord, that people would be impressed not by how well we can hold our lives together through fake smiles and empty, hey, I'm fine, how are You? But Lord, that people can see You hold our lives together. Lord, that it is Your hands that never let us go. It is Your hands that pick up the pieces when we fall. It is Your hands that connect the dots and make this beautiful tapestry, this beautiful picture out of our messed up life, God. It is You and You alone. You never let go. You never let go.